What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. Thanks for being here today, and um, and we're we're excited to to hear from you and hear the things that God is doing. And um, but yeah, when I let my wife take it, we'll kind of get the party started. We will get going. This is Wendy Cross, everyone. I have known Wendy a whole six months now, <laughs> and so we were introduced um, to each other through a mutual friend in this church, um, and. She said, you need to talk to Wendy. You need to talk to Wendy. And so Wendy called me one day in April of this year. And we talked for a long time. And she just shared her heart, um, her story about X-Hope. And so I would like you to share with us um, some of that story. And um, what is X-Hope? Where did it come from? And what do you guys do? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let oh. me plug first. Let me, because okay. I forgot to do the plug. If you are on Facebook or Instagram, pull out your phones right now and follow X Hope Missions on both of those platforms. We want to be engaged with that and following. You'll learn more as we as we go, but it, that definitely helps and it starts. Okay, I forgot to do that at the beginning. Now you may go. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, one of the things that's happened in the last six months in building relationship with Karen Craig and others here and Convo Church. Um, together as a whole, is um, I've really learned what it means in Romans um, 12, 1, 12.10, sorry, where it says, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. I have had that preached to me from the pulpit for years, but never have I experienced it so graciously than I have in this place. And so I want to say, Y'all, if you are a part of this church, there is a prayer team that blew my mind this morning. And then worship blew my mind again. And then knowing Karen, Craig, and meeting some of you, I'm genuinely, I feel at home. And I just want to say thank you for having me. Um, My husband and I met in Reno, Nevada when we were both going to the University of of Nevada, Reno. Go Wolfpack. Um, I was cheering and he was playing football. And we were not in love with Jesus yet. But the greatest thing about all of this is we met, we fell in love, and then we met Jesus and fell in love with Jesus in this town. And so Reno is dear to me. And so um, with that being said, I do want to introduce who we are. X-Hope was really founded, I say accidentally, but it was, it's really just the Lord doing what he does. And sometimes to us, it feels like an accident, but we know darn well that nothing God does is on accident. It's always on purpose and for a plan. And so um, my husband ended up going to Ethiopia. You guys are never going to believe this. But um, again, we didn't know Jesus yet. But there was a football player at Reno that was supporting an orphanage in Ethiopia. And he had such incredible godly character, he kept pursuing my husband. Will you go on this trip? Will you go on this trip? And we would do like garage sales and give a little bit of money, but that was what we could do, and we thought that was good enough. And finally, my husband said yes, and he went to Ethiopia, 
with John Dutton, who is in your church now, which is unbelievable because I did not tell them to come here. They landed here. That's John and Trina Dutton. So um, anyway, they took Rick, and my husband was wrecked. I mean, came home. He told me from Ethiopia, when I get home, everything will change. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Okay, God, help me catch up, you know. But in that, he had brought home a book, and it had pictures of children in covenant orphanage that he had committed to praying for. And we were praying over these children nightly. That was what we thought we could give at the time. We opened the, um, you can put this slide up of Nebu. We opened up a, a picture of this young man named Nebu. And at the time he was 11 years old. Um, and my husband said, he has incredible leadership qualities, but he has no hope of ever being adopted. He's one of the oldest boys. A lot of kids have come and gone. And so he's lost all hope of being adopted. And I was not okay with that. My biological son was also that age. And so I tried to sleep that night. And on my fireplace, there's a frame. And it said, mothers of sons believe in who they will become. And it was a picture of me and my three biological sons. And God just showed me in that. Nebu is part of that picture frame. And I woke up my husband and I said, Rick, I think we're supposed to adopt. And he said, oh, my gosh, I would have never asked you. You said the game was over. Even our license plate said game over. <laughs> yeah, it did. He said, I thought you said the game was over. If you're willing, start the paperwork tomorrow. And so we just said a great big yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we will do it. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into or what God would do. But we did know that that was our son, and we were going to go get him. And we did. And about a year and a half later, I I. Game over? No. Uh, Over time, we got a call that um, one of my estranged cousins had had a baby, and he was very, very sick. He was in the hospital, and he was so addicted to methamphetamines that if they were to take him off the morphine drip, he would have had a heart attack. And so that's how we met Jason. Um, We prayed about what this looked like for us, and we thought the best idea was for us to bring my cousin into our home and help her get clean and help her reunify with her son. We got her into rehab. She left after three days, and then Jason became a ward of the court. And so the nurses asked, you know, would you guys be willing to take this baby? We think the best place for him is in a family. And we were thinking, oh, my gosh. They told us he had cerebral palsy. He needed a surgery soon, and he was coming home with a feeding tube. Oh, all oh, that's really scary to me. And, and we said, we'll pray, and we talk to our kids. And this is where that scripture about childlike faith has resonated in my heart forever and ever now because we sat with our five children, and we said our lives will look totally different. If we do this, we are bringing home a baby that is very sick, We can't do any of the things we're doing right now. We cannot leave him unless there's a nurse. And every one of our children said, yes, we want him. Go get him. Why wouldn't we? And so we did. And so X-Hope was founded out of those two adoption stories. Neither Rick and I ever thought we would adopt. We didn't feel called to adoption. But what we did know is that when God calls us to something and we say yes, he makes it happen. And so X-Hope was founded out of that. I, I said, okay, our home is full. I did not say game over. I said, our home is full, 
but we can still be a voice for children like Jason and Nebu. What will that look like? And so we founded X Hope, and our mission is to provide hope, love, education, and forever families to children who are waiting. So the transition from that into um, into Uganda, like how did that get started for you guys? And when did that really begin to take off for where it is today? So the first trip that uh, my husband went on, they visited Uganda and they had visited a children's home there. And um, we really just felt that what they were doing at Covenant Orphanage in Ethiopia um, was so powerful because it was so Christ-centered. We thought maybe we could come alongside the children's home in Uganda and partner with them to implement some of this discipleship that we had saw. And so we started partnering in Uganda, and then um, over a couple years' time, that children's home became a part of us. And so we are the directors now, and it became um, our ministry under X Hope. And we just transitioned from adopting children out of Uganda to a, to placing children back into their families in Uganda by discipling and working with the families and providing um, education. That's, yeah. that's incredible. And I know we're going to unpack some, some stories in that as well. Yeah. Um, I think, so for us, you know, we're talking about legacy, right? So when we talk about that word legacy, um, we, we always try to put everything into a kingdom perspective of like what, what God is doing. So, you know, people on your, on your own, you can say, you know, I want to have a legacy and my kids are my legacy. And, and where those things are true in the kingdom of God, that principle goes beyond you. And so one of my my favorite scriptures is where Jesus challenges us. He says, hey, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. And so it's so, you know, to take that, if you want to boil that down for yourself, um, you, you never have to worry about your life and your legacy when you are putting God's first. Yeah. Because he's always going to come through. He's always going to take care of yours. Because you got to remember something. Like God created you with the legacy in mind. Mm-hmm. You weren't born. And he's like, all right, let's figure out what we want to do with this one. Um, wasn't expecting this. Let's, uh, no, like he knew. Like before you were born, he knew your name. He knew your identity. He knew what he was placing you on this earth to do. So our legacy is what we get to be a part of beyond ourselves for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And especially in the context of the church, like any one of us as individuals or a family could go out and do some things on our own, and they would be beautiful, they would be wonderful, but what we get to be a part of together as the church to accomplish is so much more than we could ever accomplish on our own. And so, and that's the legacy that we are, that we want to see birth through our church, you know, in Convo, um, in our local lane here in the in northern Nevada, in the national lane uh, planning churches throughout our nation. And then in the, the, the international lane, the missions lane for Convo Church, which is what we're hitting on today. So, so for, for you and when you look at the things that, uh, that God has already been doing, but also the things that you see to come, uh, that word legacy, what does that, what does that mean to you? What does God speak to you on that particular word? When I think of legacy, I always think of godly legacy. I always want the banner to be Jesus Christ, right? I, I don't believe that we can leave a legacy and leave God out of it. And so when we say, I I desire, or Lord, let me be a part of a legacy that we could leave where you're always glorified and where this always comes back to you, I believe that it has to be things that we just can't do on our own. We got to just stretch ourselves a little bit farther, step a little bit deeper and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. You guys know that song? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And then what does it say? Amen. amen. And amen, I would sing it, but y'all would get up and leave. <laughs> 
amen means so be it. It means so be it. Our only responsibility in leaving a godly legacy is to say, yes, Lord. And then we leave the so be it to Jesus. Right? And so I just want to share with you in 2016, we're talking about legacy. I was with our staff in Uganda. And at the time, we were in a rental a children's home that we were renting. And that's really frowned upon in the government because they want children and children's homes to have ownership. They want them to have land and teach farming and crops and really discipling the children so when they're placed back in their communities, which is plan A, that they, that they um, have learned the lifestyle of their culture. And so in 2016, um, there's a picture of my Bible actually back there if, if you see it. Um, I was in a time of prayer in Uganda, and God had given me this word for our staff to encourage them that he wanted us to begin pursuing land in Uganda to build this forever home that is in our mission statement. And at the time, we didn't have any financial resources. Like, our biggest donor was maybe like $300. I mean, really, we were, there was no way this could happen without God. But I said, yes, Lord, and I shared it with our Ugandan staff. Our whole staff is, is from that community. And I said, I feel like God is saying to us that he wants us to plant in this community, and he wants us to be a city on a hill. He wants Redeemer House to be a city on a hill and a light of the world. And so we began pursuing land. And people bought in, and then we built a home, and then we dug a well, and then we built a guest house, and now we have a farm, and we've just raised up and raised up and raised up. Ugandans who, who came from, from very poor situations, but they were so rich in love with Jesus that they're leading this ministry. I'm not doing it. It was a yes, Lord, and then he provided all of those resources. And so um, when I think of legacy, I think in its entirety, of us just being willing to say, yes, Lord, so be it, and watch what he does with it. That's really good. Um, sorry, I'm muted just for a second. What are some of the things over the last 18 months um, that are just God wins, big wins that were only possible um, because of Jesus, because of him coming through? Um, any stories that, that you can think of or want to tell that were just wow, God, you are so amazing. Well, again, when we, when Redeemer House became part of our ex-hope program and it became under our ministry, one of the things the Lord spoke really clearly to us, that this was not something that was to be American ran, Mm -hmm. that this was something where when God says, go to the nations and make disciples, go make disciples of all nations, he is saying, you go you raise up leaders and you come home and you continue to do that cycle of discipleship. That's what our family was called to. And so what was a miracle for me was to see that COVID hit and there was 18 months when none of us could go. We couldn't go and deliver things like we normally good could. We couldn't go do staff training. We couldn't go do retreats. We couldn't visit families. But you know that Redeemer House staff and those children and those 70 sponsored families didn't miss a beat. They were well cared for. They, they did all of the things that we do. They, um, in fact, a miracle is, you know, Uganda shut down during COVID. And when I say um, severe poverty, I mean, our children, a lot of them are in boarding school and they're not, they're not home because their families can't care for them full time. 
Well, when the school shut down, all of the children went to the village. Also, the markets shut down, so the mamas, who would typically make maybe a dollar a day, weren't making anything. We put out on Facebook um, that we were going to send COVID kits. And our Ugandan staff and social workers, we sent the funds. They got 70 kits together. They delivered it to every family. Wow. The mamas, the aunties, the grandmas were crying, saying, we were praying what we would eat. We haven't eaten in days. And that's not like a, a sob story. That's a genuine, all they had at the time was to ask Jesus to show up. And we got to do that. We got to do that through the leadership that's been established there. And so that's a miracle to me. That's a miracle. That's not, that's kind of upside down thinking for a lot of organizations, right? Because we would like to be the heroes. I mean, we, we feels good to us, right? Jesus is always the hero in every story. And if we're making disciples, we're raising them up so that they can be someone's hero and then remind them of who the true hero is, Jesus Christ. Very good. Awesome. With, um, you know, I'm thinking of a couple of, um, you know, specific examples and stories that we've grown accustomed to just getting to know you and hearing the things that are happening over there. I know you talked about, and, and I think, I don't know how we can, like, portray how big of a deal it is for what you just described. That, that the ministry is able to not just run and survive, but actually thrive um, with, with the local team that's over there doing a fantastic job. And, um, and so I, I want to kind of bring it to the story of the one young boy, uh, just because, I mean, honestly, for me, it's just it's the tearjerker <laughs> moment. Um, but at the same time, it paints such a beautiful picture of the, of the redeeming, powerful work that's taking place in so many children's lives over there that hopefully and definitely through this process, we will also be able to be a part of that increasing and continuing. So, so can, I, can I prompt that story? Okay, let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's go forward on that one. I like that. You're talking about baby Ryan? Yeah. Okay, so if you could put up the slide of baby Ryan. So this is one example. Um, again, just going back to reunification. Our hope and prayer always when the kids come to us is that we can reunify them. That simply means that we can locate family that would be willing to take them in if they had some help. 90% of orphans have living relatives that would care for them if they financially could do it or they had the support to do it. Okay, so that's what our education program does. It's a vehicle to be able to support the families by sending the children to, to school during the day or to boarding school so that the aunties and uncles and grandmas and grandpas can work during the day and successfully care for these children. So that's what that looks like. This is an example of one of our little boys. Um, this is a tearjerker. This one gets me every time. It's, it's hard to even tell the story. Um, this is baby Ryan. One of our interns was in the village doing some Bible study and discipleship, and she met this family and um, learned along the way that there was this baby in one of the mud huts and that he was basically on his deathbed. And as she, she learned more about his story, she learned that um, the grandmother, whose hut he was in, was the village witch doctor. And he was born with a club foot, which is a disability in Uganda, and a lot of times children are, are thrown out for that. And in her attempt to heal him, she started doing her, her tricks, her potions, and she was... Um, She was hammering sticks through his club foot to make it go forward. 
And she was pouring potions on it, and she was poisoning him. He was dying. And so his dad, who genuinely loved him, but, but was under kind of the authority of his, grand, his, his mom, who was the witch, it's, it's hard to leave those situations. That, there's a lot of spiritual warfare that goes with that. You know that, right? Um, I can say that in church. But uh, he, he wasn't prepared for that yet. And so we brought baby Ryan to us. He was in the hospital for a long time, families, and came around side and, and, and um, supported his medical care. He moved into Redeemer House after, and we continued to visit. Our social workers started going. Our intern was going consistently. And Ryan's dad received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he married a, a Christian woman who um, they had another child together, but this is about a two-and-a-half to three-year story, I'm telling you. So this, this doesn't happen overnight. This isn't something, when you, when, you, when you disciple somebody or you raise them up, it's in God's timing always. And so on our last trip back, you can show the next picture, um, Ryan's father, we call him Nehemiah now, his stepmom, and their family left the village because we were able to support them. And they live across the street now from Redeemer House. And Ryan's dad is working for us on the farm. And Ryan has now been reunified with his family. Ryan is the little boy on the right with that smile that is, or on the left. Yeah. My right. Yeah, my right. Um, so that's Ryan, and that smile just says it all. It's priceless. And, and so these are the types of stories of when we think, oh, well, all I'm doing is sponsoring a child. No, you're not. What you're doing is you're sponsoring a child, and you are breaking the cycle of poverty for that entire family. And what's so exciting about this story, this wasn't planned. We didn't plan this out. But Kara said, um, our Convo kids for Legacy want to sponsor a child. And I'm like, oh, how about Ryan's sisters, Bridget and Vanessa, who have never been in school yet? So now we get to tell Nehemiah and, the, and Ryan, who's in school, hey, guess what? Your sisters get to go to school now, too, because of Convo Church, because of your kids. Yeah. All right. So to connect it to that detail, I want to just, for those that don't know, like if you, if you have kids in Convo Kids, you probably know about this, but for everyone else, you need to know as well. And so we, one of the things that's a conviction for us in our in Convo Kids is that we don't believe in that our kids have little baby Jesus in them, right. with little with little mini me Holy Spirit, right? No, we no, they get the when they when they become Jesus followers, like they get the full meal deal just like anyone else, and so which means they they should also be given the opportunity to serve Jesus like like adults get to serve Jesus. So so last week we started sending home with them these little these little you know little legacy piggy banks. That, that your children can have to, you know, put in pennies and quarters and dollars or whatever it is that, that they want to do because, you know what, they want to be a part of this too. Yes. And, and so it's not just telling the kids about the generosity of God. It's also giving them, even at a young age, the ability to be a part of it and watch what God does in their life. So, so, so yeah, we're excited that, that, uh, that our children's ministry is going to be taking care of one of the siblings and then our youth ministry is going to be taking care of one as well. And so that's not just even the money part. That's like writing letters, getting in contact, doing mission trips, and being able to go over there and meet the families and literally have a, a, a personal connection to what's, yeah. to what's happening. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so exciting. I got, I got to meet that family, and it is, it, it is genuinely such a joy. Um, just that the whole... The whole goal of Exhope and at Redeemer House is the reunification piece 
um, because I think it's easy to go to fall in love with these these kids and these babies that that genuinely need help in your heart. You know, if you're a feeler, I'm a feeler, so I go into these situations and I'm like, oh, just give me, a, give them all to yeah, me, um, nope. <laughs> and nope. and no, like the the actual goal is reunification, and so we got to witness that reunification piece with his family, and it was it was just the coolest thing. The joy on that little boy's face, mm-hmm. and the pride. The, the actual, like, just pride exuded from his his entire body. Like, that smile said it all. Um, like, this is my home. This is my family. These are my people. And so that that is, it's just such a beautiful um, piece to Redeemer House and what, what we're doing in um, Uganda. So as you look forward into 2022, and um, think about just the dreams and the goals and the vision. And um, what are some of the things that are impossible God dreams? Mm-hmm. Things that if God doesn't show up, well, we are <laughs> we're out of luck. Mm-hmm. But he does. But what are those things that, that you're dreaming about doing? Yeah, so um, now I have bigger faith than I did in 2016 because I've, I've seen God be so faithful. And I love that he's so gracious to us that we can say that. Um, faith as small as a mustard seed, that doesn't seem like it has to be very much. But, man, when he says, hey, go build a children's home and you just flip the script and start doing reunification instead of adoptions, you're like, oh, no. Like, what, what does that look like? And so um, a couple, maybe about a year and a half ago, we had a mama who had um, – brought her child to Redeemer House to, to drop the child off, asking for placement, which isn't how we operate at all, just so you know. But our Ugandan staff invited her in, and she had said she was the auntie of this child and that she couldn't care for him. So they invited her in to hear her story. And a few hours after just talking to her, they learned she, she broke down completely, and she was sobbing, crying, and she confessed like she was actually the mother of the child but she wanted the child to be in Redeemer House because she knew that our kids were going to school and that she would never be able to provide that for her child. And we're not okay with that. (laughs) That should never be an option for a mom, ever. She loves her child so much that she was willing to, to basically lay that child down and say, here, let this child be raised in an organization because I think they have a better hope of breaking the cycle of poverty. Is that okay with you? It's not okay. And so in that scenario, and that's one of many stories where people come for help, um, we had her come back multiple times and just loved on her and her child sponsored now through us. But um, we felt like God said, build a school in your village. And what's interesting is where he put us on that hill is we're directly in between two very large um, villages. We're right in between Boutiki and Bungonga. And you know what's funny is they both claim us. They're like, oh, no, you're part of our, our council. And this one, we're no, I'm like, we're with all of you. And so he gave us the opportunity in where he placed us to build a school that will be able to provide a Christian education where Jesus is preached and a church is planted in the middle of Boutiki and Bungoma. And so that's our big dream. Our big dream is to say every child in these villages will have an opportunity to go to school. Every child will have the opportunity to break the cycle of poverty. And in that kindness and in that opportunity, 
Jesus will be preached and introduced, and he will be glorified. And that will leave a legacy that none of us could ever comprehend. But we, Convo Church and Ex-Hope, can make this happen. We can be a part of this legacy. And it doesn't have to be, you know, well, I don't have any financial contributions to give. Can we just, like, get that out of our head as Americans, that everything isn't about giving money? I'm not here to ask you for your money. Some of it you in here sew, and you can sew blankets for the babies. Some of you in here um, have a workplace where you could do a donation drive. Some of you in here are prayer warriors, and you're going to pray this into existence. Some of you in here are called to missions, and you've been waiting. Guess what? I'm inviting you. Come with me. Come and meet these children and these families, and come and see this village where we will get to open the doors of a school and bring them in. You're invited. We can do this together. So, so, I'm gonna, so we're going to I say, hear the we. Do you hear that yet? Okay. Um, build a school that's yeah. also going to be a church. And, and this is something that is so crucial for us to understand. It doesn't matter whether we're doing something in our neighborhood or whether we're doing something around the world. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can feed people all we want. We can give them clothes all we want. But if we don't connect it to Jesus, all we're doing is uh, social work devoid of any eternal life. And so we, we, don't, want, we don't want people to, to go to hell with full stomachs and with clothes on their back. They've got to know Jesus. They got to know. So, so that's where I want you guys to understand. That's gonna be that's gonna be huge in who we are as a church and what we do, whether it's in here, whether it's outside those doors, or whether it's over in Uganda. And so that's that's crucial for us. Like we believe with a passion that the church is what Jesus is using to expand His kingdom here on earth. His His beautiful, imperfect, jacked up church is what God is using. Why is it jacked up? Because you're in it. Don't be offended. That's just how it is. Because I'm in it. Um, so, so what's that going to cost? What's the, what's the dollar amount on that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. You're going there. Yep. <laughs> um, for us to, wow. Um, for these are really dirty. I didn't wear them first service and I tried to read something and I was like, oh, so I had to get them out. Um, financially. So if we were talking about numbers, we believe that from start to finish for, um, uh, like a, not a cafeteria, but a large gathering place where they'll eat and then we will do church on Sundays and then um, a baby class and then a K through seven. We believe that it will cost us probably around 500000 Our phase one is 335000 and we just sent 35000 so we just broke ground. And that, hey, we celebrate every single, you know, the Bible says, do not despise the small beginnings. And let me tell you, when we started building our children's home, we had $300. And so we sent $35,000. They're breaking ground right now. We've provided hundreds of jobs to the men in our village. And so even in that, we're changing lives. Even in that, we're making a big difference. And the reason why I think it's important to talk numbers is because every, everyone's going to have the ability to, to give of themselves in this legacy in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so for some, like, you will have the ability to give substantially when it comes to the financial component. Yeah. Some will make blankets. Some will go on trips. Some, all those things, like it all works together. And, but I think it's important for us to know like, some of these things. 
Because you never know when someone's going to walk through the doors like, yeah, between myself and I know this person, that person, we could pretty much take care of that. Yeah. Like, you just don't know. Like, if you were here last week, you heard Melissa's testimony of even how they have the property where they, where they are now. It all started with a conversation and then one person, another person talking, be like, yeah, we can take care of this. No big deal. And you're like, what? Okay. Um, we, we serve a what yeah. type of God, right? Yeah. And so, and I think when we, when we tiptoe around the opportunities for God to do the things that God likes to do, we actually dishonor God because he is, if you know anything about him, he likes to show up yeah. and he likes to show out. You know, maybe for us that's bragging, but for God, he's being God. So we need to give God these moments and these opportunities for him to be like, all right, I told you who I am, now I get to show you. And thanks for being a part of this. And boom, we see God do amazing things yeah. that just that just blows our minds. So I think probably the, the last question to kind of wrap things up here is, is just that one about like, okay, you know, we've and we've kind of hit on it a little bit, but just to encourage those who would who are in a place right now where like, wow, you know, big need, big big uh, dreams, big goals, like I don't even see how I could be a part of this. Like how could you just encourage them today? Well, let me just say, when um, when we started doing mission work, I, w- I would say, uh, it w- again, it was, like, it was a yes, and we were not equipped or prepared at all. And God, so be it, did all those things. And, and he starts really small. And uh, there's a picture of my boys playing soccer. If you could pull that up. I'm just going to share this brief story. I'm not going to go into much detail, but um, this, is, this is an example of taking what you're already doing. All of you already have something that you're passionate about, I hope, something that you're spending your time doing or people that you're surrounding yourself with, your work environments, your small groups, whatever it is. And so for us, at the time that we adopted Neb, we brought him home, and he was the best soccer player. The soccer teams were making jokes that we like went and recruited <laughs> because he was so good and he had never had cleats. So he played barefoot while we gave him cleats. He was like a monster out there. <laughs> and um, our oldest bio son was also an incredible soccer player who had a dream of playing college soccer and got to do that. But um, what they did was they started hosting soccer jersey drives with the soccer community. These were families we were around all of the time. Um, and what could we do to to invite them into the yes God. And so for us, without asking for any financial support, we started with soccer jerseys. And you can go to the next slide. Um, Those soccer jerseys led to outreach where we got to partner with um, other soccer clubs in Uganda. And some of the soccer players and their families came on trips with us. We did coaches clinics. And then we were here and we go to this game to be soccer moms, because we already know how to do that, right? And we fall in love with some of these kids. We get to preach the gospel. Several of them stood up and received Jesus Christ. And then we got to baptize some of them. I think there's even a picture of one of our American soccer boys getting baptized in Uganda. He met Jesus on that mission trip. And one of our Ugandan boys getting baptized. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Started with a soccer jersey. Some of you have a soccer jersey. I'm, I'm saying, what is your soccer jersey? That is my commission and my, and my encouragement to you today. You have something. You're already doing something. We don't need to be a Brad Pitt foundation or have a million dollars to go make a difference in the life of one child. It's just not true. You have something that God can turn into big, big things. Yeah. 
And so just, I, I just want to read this to you. I, I love opening my Bible. I think that um, I, in Isaiah 61, this is what I want to encourage you guys to do. I didn't do this in first service. I forgot. I was just too excited. I'm still excited. But, okay, Isaiah 61, I want you guys to make this look like similar to, to my Bible in this. I want you as a church to begin reading this over and over Isaiah 61 for this year that you guys are getting ready to really build a godly legacy together. And I want you to begin asking God, what does that look like in my life? What does that look like for me individually? And how can I be a, play a part in the legacy that we want to leave as a church? And it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Let's change me to us. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about Convo Church. And I'm, hey, I'm part of this family, whether you like it or not. I'm coming back. The spirit of the Lord God is upon us because the Lord has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you realize that there isn't a family that we've served whose broken heart has not been healed in one way or another. Not because we're good, but because that's what Jesus wants to do. He's telling us, this could be your neighbor. This could be somebody at your workplace. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Can we claim it right now that this is the year of the Lord's favor? Can we outdo one another in showing honor just like you're already doing? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. So be it. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. What does that look like to you? Who is near you who is mourning? And God is just saying, be that comfort. You don't have to come to Uganda. You don't have to adopt, but I can promise you if you're asking the Lord to show you who needs to be comforted, he will. Yes, Lord. To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Y'all, you can see this in real life when we get to Uganda and these ladies who were in severe poverty who couldn't give their children Christmas gifts now can. See the beauty and the joy in the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Let this legacy be one that glorifies Jesus forever and ever, from us to our kids, to the kids, to the kids, to the kids after, for every generation to come. May he be glorified. Amen. Wendy, thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for inspiring us. And, uh, and also for calling us up, I think, and challenging us to respond to what God is putting in front of us. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what God is going to do. Um, even, even now, like as, you, as God is moving on your hearts, I'm excited to see um, what's going to come from this. Next, next week, we will um, start diving into some details as a church in the big picture. And, and I'm, I'm, ho I'm hoping that you'll, you'll be here for that. Be here next week and, and come ready to to hear about this because this isn't just a presentation that we're giving you. This is something that as a family, God is asking us to step into and, uh, and it couldn't, it couldn't be more powerful. So um, I'm going to have my wife pray over Wendy and will you just do us a favor and kind of stretch your hands towards, uh, towards Wendy as we pray for her. God, that is 
the cry of our hearts, Lord, that you would be glorified in and through us, in and through this, this house, Convo Church, God, in and through Ex-Hope, in and through Redeemer House, God, and all the things that you would have us to do, God, all the things that you would put our hands to do, God, that you would be glorified, Lord, and I just, I lift um, up the Cross family, Lord, that have laid down their lives so that you would be glorified. God, I lift them up, and I just ask that you would pour out, God, a blessing that they can't even contain. Lord, over their lives, over their children, God, over um, ex-hope, over Redeemer House, and all of the things, God, that are to come, Lord, that you would um, just open up the windows of heaven. God, over um, that children's home, God, over the guest house, over the, the property that has um, the ground been broken on for the school and the church to come, God, I just, I just pray incredible blessings over the staff, God, over um, all of the people that are ministering to those kids, God. Um, and I just pray, Lord, in every moment, God, in every breath, God, that you would be glorified through us. God, that we would be able to see exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever hope or imagine. We just give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we tell Wendy thank you one more time just for being with us today? Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories, and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.